Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, Well, you guys know that we are a church with multiple campuses, and so can everyone here at Lakeland give a big hello and a hand clap to everyone watching from our new campus there at Highland Colony. Uh, We are thankful for all of you guys. We had a great service at the 830 service, and we're glad to be here with you at the 10. Uh, And then can both campuses, can we give it up to everyone who is watching around the world online? We are thankful to have you guys tune in, including all of you who are still on spring break watching us from a beach somewhere. Uh, We are not envious of you at all right now, Uh, but we're so thankful to have you tune in and we can't wait to see you sometime soon. Uh, You see, we are launching uh, a campaign, honestly, uh, and it'll be uh, there and ready until it's completed. And it is called Mission Accomplished. And our goal is to pay off the facility that was given to us on Highland Colony. For those of you who may not know, Uh, Right in the middle of COVID, around this time last year, we had a facility, a church given to us, uh, and not just the church, but the people who made up the church, and it could not be in a better spot of town. God has perfectly positioned our church uh, to reach our city and to reach our state like never before, so we have prime property here on Lakeland Drive. Uh, But then we also had a facility given to us on Highland Colony right off 55, right by the Costco, uh, about 12 acres of land there and a facility at like 36,000 square feet. And we didn't buy it. We just uh, had it given to us. And out of that, we uh, took on all the debt for that facility, uh, which was about $1.97 million. Uh, Since that time, we've paid off about a million dollars worth of that debt. Come on, church. We can celebrate that. Uh, We have seen God just be so good in that area, and now we're attacking the last 970,000 or so, and we believe to see that paid for by the end of summer. How many of you can be in agreement that that facility will be debt-free? Uh, by the end of summer. So that is our mission, and we aim to accomplish that mission uh, with each and every one of you. And we're excited to go on this mission with you. After that, uh, we will pay off this facility. This facility, just this phase of it, costs $18.6 million. We only owe about $5.8 million on this, which is amazing when you think about it. Uh, so our goal is to be debt-free by the end of 2023. Uh, it rhymes in everything. Uh, And then after that, we're going to have a year of jubilee where every month on top of our regular tithes and offerings, we are going to go around the world and cut a check for $100,000 a month to missionaries all over the world and get them out of debt uh, and celebrate God getting us out of debt. Uh, Now, uh, this is um, an offering service in a way, but it's far more than that. This is not something we're going to pass buckets on or things like that. This is just simply presenting a dream and a vision uh, and asking for participation in it at some point. And it just so happened that this Sunday fell. We scheduled this months ago, and it fell the week that people got stimulus checks. Uh, So I, I I told the Lord, I said, okay, out 
of this, Lord, uh, I will have to be upfront with the people uh, that this was not done uh, manipulative uh, or done intentional by us at least. And uh, I think all of you who attend this church, you know that, but in case you are a visitor here and you do not know my heart, uh, I'm not here for your money. Uh, I am not here to take your money or any of those types of things. Uh, if at any time you attend this church and you ever feel like uh, that you are manipulated to give or uh, you are pressured into giving or you feel like all that church wants is my money, uh, never give this church a dime. Uh, that is between you and the Lord. Uh, you can send it somewhere else. You can send it to the missions. But if you ever feel like um, there is any type of manipulation going on here, uh, then don't support this ministry uh, one bit. Uh, genuinely, the Lord has been so faithful to us. Uh, we don't pass buckets. Um, we don't have uh, tithes and offering segments. Um, we don't do any of that. But we do lead with vision. And out of this, uh, we see God capture the hearts of people. And I believe through uh, uh, the process of discipleship, uh, that it leads to God also capturing our treasure because where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. And so we do teach along these lines to encourage people's faith, but always whenever you give, let it be done by the spirit and never by the flesh. So we're not passing buckets or anything like that. And it just so happened that it fell the week uh, that people got stimulus uh, things. But I do have something big in my heart, and it is to see that campus supernaturally paid for. And the reason for that is, is the Lord supernaturally gave it to us. And I believe that what is done by the Spirit should be sustained by the Spirit. And in the natural, we could pay it off fairly quick, uh, but I'm not interested in doing anything that I can do in my own strength. I believe in seeing miracles. Amen. I want to live and see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I, I never want to look at something and think, man, I did a good job there. Uh, I want to look at it and be like, oh my gosh, God, you've been so good. And I see your faithfulness right in front of me. And so that's what I am contending for. And the only way for that to happen would for it to be debt free uh, by the end of summer. In our own strength, uh, just by being good stewards of what is given, I think we could get it debt free by the end of the year. Uh, but uh, I want to see God do something that uh, only he can do. Uh, it was actually given to us, and we opened it up in May of last year, uh, the campus that you all are watching from there at Highland Colony. We opened it up in May, and I think it would be awesome if we had it paid for within a calendar year, that we had it paid for by the end of May. The only issue I see with that is I'd love to throw a party, and the party that I want to throw uh, cannot be thrown in COVID. Uh, and so out of that, we'll see how all that shakes out. The Lord knows. Uh, but I, I want to strengthen your heart with some things. Open up your Bibles with me, if you will, to the book of Psalms, uh, Psalms 126. I have something uh, that I want to share with you here. Now, anytime we convey these types of things, um, this is important when it comes to, to giving. Uh, I am not talking about equally giving. Uh, so in equally giving, that would be everyone giving the same amount, and we're not sustained here at the church by big tickets uh, amounts. Uh, we are a collection of people coming from every walk of life to contribute together. 
Uh, so it's not about equal giving. It's not even about equal sacrifice. And this is something that I see sometimes is used in manipulation in the body of Christ through preachers. Uh, is talking about, well, it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. And the truth is, it's not always equal sacrifice. Sometimes we will just give out of our abundance because we love the house or we love the vision or we love the project or we love the child or we love the organization. But there are times where God will lead our heart uh, to do a sacrificial seed. All last year, the Lord led us to do sacrificial seeds, even as a ministry. Uh, we gave to the point of sacrifice. We gave until we watered our seed with our tears. Uh, that's a sacrificial seed. Uh, when it's hard to see it go, you hold on to Benjamin so tightly, he cries. Uh, so out of that, uh, like uh, a sacrificial seed is you feel it. And there are times where God will lead you to a point of sacrifice. It's funny, this year, uh, we've given liberally. In fact, we're way ahead of our tithing uh, done as a church because we're tithing off of what we want to bring in as a ministry and not what we currently do. So we're way ahead of our tithing, but we're still giving out of our abundance. It's not hard for us to cut those checks. And I've been in several meetings where people were giving, and I didn't feel led to sacrifice uh, in that, those moments. So it, it could be that as well, that it's not equal giving nor equal sacrifice. But what I would love to see over the course of this project, not today or those types of things, and it could be today, I don't know, whatever the Lord leads you to do, is I would love to see equal participation. And the reason why I say, and this is for the, the people who attend Word of Life, the reason why I say equal participation is because I believe intrinsically that we are far better together than we ever could be apart. Uh, now, this is an important teaching moment. Um, the, the power of, of unity is unmatched. Uh, Jesus, when he was praying for his disciples, did not say, Lord, make them powerful. He said, Lord, make them one. Because wherever there is unity, there is power. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, you see heathen people get together and become one. And from this oneness, watch, they can put this on the screen in Genesis 11 and verse 6. And the Lord said, behold, the people are one. I, I like this. It, he was a southerner, apparently, when he wrote that. The, the people is one. Uh, the people is one. And they have all one language. And this they began to do. And notice this. And now nothing shall be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. So here, they have some things in their imagination. We'll talk about that in a bit. How many of you know God gave you your imagination? Satan will try to use that imagination against you, but God designed you, and he designed you with an imagination. And God comes down and looks at this, this thing that the people are imagining, and he's noticing uh, that when they're imagining it, they are one. And because they are one, when they are imagining it, nothing will be restrained from them. Now, what's really interesting about this is they did not have God's help with this. But these people were still tapping into the power of the corporate anointing. And so God knew that in order to stop this, what they were doing in building the Tower of Babel, uh, he came and confounded their languages where they could not communicate with each other. They could not talk with each other. And it created barriers, and out of this barriers, it stopped this. Because there's power in a corporate anointing. There is power in us coming together, which is why Satan works overtime to divide you from friends, to divide you from people, to divide your family. Satan wants nothing more than to have you have a dysfunctional relationship with your mother, than a dysfunctional relationship with your child, than a dysfunctional relationship with each other. The Lord told me at the end of 2019, 
he really dealt with me how the enemy was going to release a spirit of Cain in the earth. I never could have imagined how it would flesh out the way it is fleshed out, but it's fleshed out big time. Everything that you see in the natural, it is from a spiritual cause. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's spirits that we wrestle against behind these things, and the spirit of Cain just simply says, I'm not my brother's keeper. I don't have to. I'm not their keeper. I'm my own. And the reason why Satan does this is because wherever there is division, there is him. Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. In our movies, you see the devil as kind of like this red guy with a pitchfork and horns. No, 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 no. He disguises himself as an angel of light. If you think you see him, you don't. If you want to see where Satan is, find strife. That's him. Because where strife is, there's every evil work. James says. And so he looks to divide things. And so God, in his great uh, uh, wisdom, has come and said, if the people can be one, they won't have to worry about power because where there is oneness and unity, there is power. And so the key is things coming together, coming together from every race, coming together from every background, coming together from every age, coming together from every nationality, us coming together and doing something together that we never could do apart. It's much like uh, building a building. For those of you who are in construction, just even in this room, you have different subs who come in and work on the facility. Uh, You'll have some who specialize in carpet and others who specialize in lighting and some who specialize in video and some who specialize in paint and sheetrock and all those things. And each one together could make something, or each one apart, could make something beautiful. They could come in and design an amazing carpet or come in and and have just this grand vision for lighting or sheetrock or painting or do excellent work. But in order for the true beauty to be released, they have to come together with a designer, and that designer will orchestrate their efforts as one to create something beautiful that they could create together that they never could do apart. And this is us. We, we come together here at Word of Life, and thank God we can say this at this church, because there's a lot of churches where they can't say this, but we can come together, and that sounded prideful. I, forgive me, Father. I don't mean to be prideful when I, I say that or to diminish another church or another work. Uh, that is definitely not my heart, but I do believe the heart of God is represented here in what we aim to do, that we come together with old and young, that we come together with many nationalities and many different people. And the reason why is each person can add something unique individually. But when you come together with that individualistic bent and we add it together under the orchestration of one designer who is the Holy Spirit, that we can create something together that we never could create apart, that there could be something that is beautiful Uh, that comes out of this, and it ought to be contended for, and it ought to be prayed for, and it ought to be worked for, and it ought to be hired for, and it ought to be built in a leadership structure and a leadership team to contend for that, because it is the heart of the Lord Jesus, amen? That the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God the Father are each different, but they're the blessed three in one, And together, their uniqueness is absolutely their greatest strength because one shows you an aspect of God that the other one may not. But together, the blessed three in one release a beauty in humanity that is unmatched. And the same thing is true for us. 
So the Lord has dealt with me about these things and, and told me that I have not led as well as I should in getting people singularly focused and to come together over something. Uh, that a lot of the things that we've done, the Lord has dealt with me about an individualistic faith. Uh, that many of the things that we've done, for instance, at Highland Colony, uh, when we took on that, uh, we put about $500,000 over into that uh, to um, uh, design it. Didn't take up an offering for it. Uh, just did it. Uh, and out of that, even with this facility, it started with $18.6 million worth of debt uh, and uh, that type of thing. Now it's down to 5.8, which is amazing. We opened in 2018, and, and it's, it's just amazing to see what has happened. But out of that, I have not led us well to get united overseeing that supernaturally moved by the hand of God. And the Lord has dealt with me of like, if we could come together, and if we could collectively believe God together, that we could do something even more dynamic and powerful and to, to focus us in. And what we're focusing in on now is our Highland Colony facility, eliminating its debt. Um, and out of that, we're going to do some mighty things here at Lakeland uh, when that is done. And, and I just, I really sense this need to collectively pull us together and to have this participation but more than this, even while we're doing it, uh, we had this idea, which I love, that for everyone who gives, they'll get this sent to them in the mail, and it has a little pin type thing. And this seems really gimmicky to me, uh, and like uh, in, in one sense, and there's a part of me that's like, I see this done all the time to manipulate people to give, like, you give and we'll send you this. Uh, but this, honestly, what it was birthed out of uh, was a teaching tool. Uh, to show you how to collectively use your faith. And that one of the things that fuels faith is remembering faithfulness. And so for each one of our giving projects that you're a part of and you're collectively using uh, your faith together with ours, that we want to send you something to remind you of the goodness of God to remind you of the faithfulness of God. So it's a little pin that'll turn into a collection that now with every giving project we launch, uh, for those who are a part of it, uh, you'll see progress and you'll see God move and you'll be able to look at that and hopefully you think what God did for them, God will do for me. I need my own Markoff list. I need my own vision book. I need my own thing where I get together and don't just use my individualistic faith. But what if I get my wife praying for this with me? What if we could get the kids praying together with us? What if we could be one? Where there's one in unity, there is power. Uh, but I, I had this in my heart when meditating on this and it's found in the book of Psalms 126. And I just want to invite you to turn there if you brought your Bibles. If not, it'll be on the screens. And of course, you can use a Bible app. But in Psalms 126, it says this in the King James. It says, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Notice, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. Verse 2, then our mouths were filled with laughter. I want this so badly for you. You, you should write just on top of that. That's me. This is me. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue was filled with singing. And we said among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Wherefore, I am glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord. 
as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Verse number one, when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. How many of you know God is a God who can turn anything around? Amen. It doesn't matter what it is, who it is, God can turn it around. That we have a God who can do such greaty, great, greaty, <laughs> great and mighty, two words came together, uh, great and mighty things, a God who can do greaty things that are so big and so wonderful that all you can do is have your mouth filled with laughter and a tongue that is filled with singing. That you just sit back at the goodness of God and all you can do is happy cry because the Lord has been so good. How many of you know that's the kind of God that you are? I am not an orphan, nor am I a slave. I'm a child of God. An orphan walks around like they have no father. They limit their expectations and they develop to learn to work in their own strength. I am not an orphan. Nor am I a slave. A slave will always wonder, is this good enough? And out of this, the, the spirit of Christ comes to liberate us from both of I am not an orphan nor a slave, but God has made me a child, that I am a son, that I am a daughter of God, worthy of his best, worthy of his finest, worthy of great and mighty things, not because I am perfect, but because I am his. <laughs> I had a moment of uh, just the other day of just rejoicing at the goodness of God, just so humbled at what God has been able to do. And I just had this moment of just brokenness, and I stood in, in front of the, the, the goodness of God, and, and I just had this thought, and I didn't say it externally, but I had this thought arise in me internally of I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this. I'm so thankful, but I'm not worthy. And I just felt the Holy Spirit come with his gentleness and just wrap me in his arms, if you will, and just on the inside and said, Joel, you are mine. And as a king's child, you are worthy of this. And how many of you know I'm not an orphan? And nor are you. We have a father who wants to be good to us. We have a father who wants to catch every single fish in the lake, so much so that it breaks your net and almost sinks your boat. So that you come to this moment of life and you don't look at life and say, I did that by my own hand, but you come and fall down on your knees and say, you must be the son of God and have Jesus come and say, I sure am. That we have a God who is that? They said the Lord has done mighty things, so mighty, so great, that all we could do is laugh and sing. What a season. How many of you think the seasons are changing? That we're literally coming out of a spiritual winter over into a spiritual spring where life is going to get so beautiful and it's going to bloom and take on so much beauty in every way that all we can do is laugh and sing because God has been good. I really feel like God is coming with a vengeance. 
God is coming with a vengeance to our nation, to our state. God is coming with a vengeance to right wrongs, give beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, a garment of praise for our spirit of heaviness, coming in and doing what only God can do. So much so that when we see it, all we can do is sing. You, you, you won't want to stop singing. You'll just want to sing all night, just sing all day, just laugh because you have seen God turn captivity. What's amazing is in this verse of scripture, they said, Lord, turn again our captivity. It's amazing how we find ourselves oftentimes in the same rut. And, and people may look at their lives and say, well, I'm not in captivity. Captivity is being a prisoner of the moment. The moment doesn't change. Captivity is not often punishment. Captivity is nothing is progressing. I'm on a treadmill. I'm working hard, but I'm seeing no progress. The scenery is never changing. I'm captive to this moment. I'm captive to the season, and I have not seen progress. I have not seen, I have not seen a miracle in a while. I have not seen a breakthrough in a while. I, I haven't seen the progress that I should see. That's a curse. We're, we're called to be delivered from captivity. God wants to turn that captivity. John put it this way. He said, beloved, I, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That word prosper, and really the term prosperity in scripture, it's not talking about a dollar amount. People all the time get messed up over these things by focusing on dollars. How many of you know heaven's currency is not a dollar or a peso or any of those things? Uh, progress is not, pro, pro, prosperity is not a dollar amount. Prosperity is simply progress. You are seeing your life make progress. You are seeing your life advance. You're going from glory to glory, from faith to faith, that you're seeing God continually move, that when Jesus came in the lives of the disciples, he didn't work one miracle and say, now that's awesome, now go to the cross. Every single day, he's working a new miracle. Every day, the Israelites saw fresh manna. Every day, God was doing a new thing in the earth, and he asked, will you not perceive it? So I out of this, God, it's like, if you are staying at the same level, existing in a life that only you can maintain, and you don't even need me to sustain you at all, you might just be captive. And I am here to say, I want to do a great thing for you. I want to do a mighty thing for you. I want to fill your mouth with laughter. I want to fill your tongue with singing. I want you to say among the heathen, the Lord God has done some great things for me. He says, well, how do we get there? It starts with a dream. It starts with a dream. You have to lift up your eyes from the place where you're at. When the Lord turned our captivity, we were like them that dream. Turn again, O Lord, our captivity. It's amazing how faith worked. Faith has to see the answer. Uh, God has called you to not walk by sight, but to live by faith. That it comes to crucifying what you see with your five physical senses and saying, God will move. God will do what he said he would do. God will be faithful to his word. God will make a way. This is the language of faith. But faith has this moment where it comes and it dreams. It's amazing to me, and I think maybe even during COVID, this has happened to so many people, is the dream has been shredded from them. It's been stripped from them. That people have gotten so tired that they stopped dreaming. 
And now is the time for an entrepreneurial spirit to come in the body of Christ like never before, for a business-owning spirit to come into the body of Christ like never before, that any time that there is need, there is always opportunity. And out of these types of things, I really believe God is going to raise up fresh spiritual giants, people operating in the king office like never before, the priest office like never before, and the prophet office like never before, all working together to do what only God could do. But it takes people who will dream. We need Christians dreaming. We need Christians dreaming like they have a father, dreaming like they're not an orphan, dreaming like they have divine help. That if you have a dream that you can maintain without God, it is the very definition of pride. And somebody says, well, you know, I'm okay, Pastor Joel. That's pride. And somebody says, well, what do you mean that's pride? I'll tell you how. Because you don't need God to sustain it. And whatever you don't need God to sustain means you're sustaining it with the arm of the flesh, which is the definition of pride. When you get over in faith, you've got to humble yourself and say, God, this could only happen by your mighty hand. This could only happen by something you could do. We come and we limit what God wants to do. And God, it's like, I want to make you significant. I want to make your life do something in the earth. I need people who will see walls falling, who believe the promised land belongs to them, who will not be a captive over in Egypt, but will cry out until they're delivered. And in the wilderness, they'll pass the test and get over into what I have for them because I'm trying to do something strategic in a nation and strategic in a people. God needs dreamers. He needs Esther's to dream. He needs Ruth's to dream. He needs Moses's to, to run from the field of Jethro to answer a call to be more than what he had become. That phrase has been big in my heart for weeks now. You are more than what you have become. And it's time we embrace that, that I am. I am more than what I have become. And somebody says, well, well, why does that matter? Because God needs us to take our places in the earth. He needs his sons and his daughters to take their spiritual place in the earth and be the dreamer God has called us to be. It's amazing how even religion wants to take Joseph's coat off to make him feel like, no, you're not special. No, you're not special. No, you're not the one. Come down and be like the rest of us. And God is saying, I've crowned you with favor. I have given you a coat of many colors. And it wasn't you who dreamed that dream. I put that dream in your heart because I give you the desires of your heart. Dream a dream, Joseph. And don't let the pit take it out of you. And don't let the prison take it out of you. Dream a dream. How does God turn captivity? Someone somewhere has to dream. You see dreams set out in front of us. Like for, for us as a church, I dream of the day Highland Colony is paid off. I already see the party. I see the food trucks. I see uh, COVID restrictions being lifted. Like I, I, see, I see really neat, amazing things. I see the party. I can literally see the, the kids running in the parking lot while there's safety and cars aren't moving. I can see... I can see these things long before. You, you go through our children's facilities. You go through, I had pictures of that, pictures of gears. I didn't know how to do it, but I knew I wanted gears. I wanted a laboratory. Why? Because in a laboratory, you can make anything. So the theme would never get old. If you sell out to the jungle, it'll get old fast. But in a laboratory, you can make a jungle. So like, I wanted a laboratory, so I just saw these gears, and I took pictures of it. And you walk through a dream. You're literally walking in a dream. 
the curtains outside uh, uh, the cafe here at, at the Lakeland campus. I was in a hotel in Oxford called The Graduate, and they had a cafe, and they had curtains that closed it off. And when I saw those curtains, I said, I like that. I took a photo of it, and I prayed it out. Everything you see in this room was a dream. It was but a dream. This very facility, people told me it could never happen. It sat empty as a parking lot for, uh, for close to a decade, gathering nothing but dust. But I'd come out here with a lawn chair and a Diet Coke and dream of what you're sitting in, sitting exactly where you were. I've got, a, I've got a hammer, an old hammer that I've kept in a, a case. And I was walking out here and I tripped over the hammer. I dug the hammer out of the ground and when I picked it up, God said, you will supernaturally build a work right here. Dream a dream. My father was a drug addict, people. He was a, he was a guy who had no hope and no future in the natural. He did not have a high school education. He did not have a college education, but he had the spirit of a living God take a drug addict, turn his life around, and build a church. There is more church. And God says, if you want to see captivity be turned, you got to dream a dream. You can't see the captivity. you got to see the answer. It's like driving a race car. They train you. You're going so fast. The one thing you don't do is don't look at the wall. You look at where you want to go. You look at what you want to see. You look at the goodness of God. Friend, I'm telling you in this moment, you can't look at the wall. You can't look at the negative report. you got to fix your eyes on Jesus and say, God, with this dream, this is where I want to go. When the Lord turned their captivity... They were like them that dreamed. Captivity turns with a dream. We've seen that all throughout our country. We've seen that all throughout the world, that somebody somewhere has to dream a dream in order for captivity to turn. And if you're stuck at a level, you've got to dream a dream. Somebody says, where do I start? You've got to spend enough time with the Holy Spirit for God to birth an Isaac on the inside of you. That you just spend time surrendering so much to prayer that God bursts something on the inside of you. Captivity turns with a dream. What are you dreaming of? What's next? Me and my wife ask that question all the time. What's next? What's next? What's next? Every time I lead a lead team meeting, I ask, what's next? What's next? What's next? Jesus said, if the blind be led by the blind, they will both fall into the ditch didn't say a ditch, it said the ditch in the original translation. He was not talking about those who have no natural sight. He was talking about those who have no spiritual sight. That when you run out of vision, you get in a place where you are stuck. And the way out of the ditch is not by more effort, it's by more vision. Someone has to dream a dream. Somebody somewhere has to get excited about the possibility of God turning something around. Because no matter what it is, who you are or where you're from you have a God who can turn it around it starts with a dream Psalms 126 turn our captivity it starts with a dream and it ends with a seed it ends with a seed I'll tell you this story years ago we were uh, designing this facility and when we were designing it, we saw immediately, you know, it's going to cost money. <laughs> and so out of this, we had to make a decision as to whether or not to build the offices that are all along this side and all the way around the back, like the storage and all those kinds of things. And the theory is and was that it was, you know, um, something that you could add later 
and you don't need it to operate or to have Sunday church, and I tend to err on more practicality and those types of things. One of the biggest things I have to wrestle with is using too much wisdom and not enough faith. I've seen some people make the opposite mistake. Uh, They use so much faith that they never use any wisdom. Uh, And so it's like, I'm going to believe God to pay off the credit cards. And it's like, wisdom would have had you not get in that much debt. Uh, But but anyway, uh, so you need both. You need wisdom and you need faith. Uh, And for me, I'll often lean on wisdom. And the Lord and the Holy Spirit has to pull me back over into the arena of faith, a dream. Because God begins with impossible. If it's possible, you don't need God. So when God gives you a dream, there'll always be a measure that's impossible in it. That's how you know it's him. God starts with impossible. Uh, so out of this, uh, we were looking, and it's like, well, you know, it'd be so much easier if we just left that off. And God came and he arrested me. He's like, why aren't you dreaming? Why aren't you seeing what I could do? And I, I made a decision to dream and, and to just say, okay, design it. Design it. And I had him design it on paper. Uh, I went to India, and in India, I'm up there preaching. And while I'm preaching, I see this guy in the back, and I knew that he was a missionary there. And I, I, I knew uh, that his wife was there with him, but I didn't know who he was or his name or his ministry. I just knew he was a missionary to India. And while I'm up there preaching, the Lord speaks to my heart and tells me, I want you to give him $50,000 from the church. And, and like I said, there is a time where God will ask you to, to give precious seed. Not all the time. I've seen a lot of missionaries. The Lord said, I want you to give him $50,000. And in my heart, I, I hesitated a little bit. And I'm like, you know, Lord, we're in a building project. Uh, and, uh, you know, we tithe and all those types of things and give liberally. But this would just, he's like, I want you to give him $50,000. And so after the service, I walked up to him and and I said, you know, I know I don't know you, but I know you're called here. And I said, the Lord uh, wants me to tell you that you're called here to not give up on this. And he wanted me to give you a check for $50,000. Come to find out uh, his wife was cleaning homes for a living back in the States to pay the bills for them to be able to go into India. And it had gotten so hard that they were considering maybe giving up. And God used that moment to show him, I see you, I notice you, God is for you. Aren't you thankful for the goodness of God? How many of you know God sees you? God sees you. God's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides. Over at Highland Colony, God sees you online. God sees you. There's not one of you that our great God does not see. He sees your need. And it was one of these moments where I I knew that God often tests a dream because when you are a dreamer, God will balance that out. He will show you Isaac. He will put Isaac in you, and then he will ask for Isaac. He will sow the dream. He will put the dream in you, and then he will ask for the dream. Why will he ask for Isaac? He wants to see, do you love the dream more than you love him? And so out of this, he'll ask for Isaac, but you know when you are willing to give Isaac properly and your will to show God that you love him more than any, even more than any dream God could give you.
that you love God more than any mighty work he could do for you, that, that out of this when you sow that seed for that, there's a divine synergy that comes between the two. And God gives you Isaac back. He gives you back the dream, but it's purified. I give that check literally uh, about 45 minutes later. I get a, a text and my executive pastor was there. He got the same text and it was from two businessmen in our church. And they said, we were praying just now and the Lord wanted me to, to tell uh, you to that in the middle of this building project for the next 12 months, we're gonna give $100,000 per month. It completely paid for all of the offices. Every one of the offices completely funded it. Didn't have to take out one penny for it. God did it. How many of you know that was one of those moments where it's like your mouth is filled with laughter and your tongue is filled with singing? I went and showed the, the missionary. I'm like, the Lord has done great things for us. How did the Lord take us to the next level as a ministry? How did the Lord give us a campus on Highland Colony? We didn't pay it, pay for it. God gave it to us. How did he do it? Before that, the Lord had us give us the biggest seed we've ever given. We dreamed of having a campus in Madison County. We had a dream. God asked us to sow a seed, and we bought a building for a missionary in the South Pacific. The biggest offering we had ever given before. Started with a dream. It ended with a seed. I showed God I love you more than a building. I didn't have to buy a building. God said, you know what? I'll give you one because this is the thing about God. How does he take you to the next level? It starts with a dream. It ends with a seed. It starts with a dream and it ends with a seed. And for anyone in this room thinking I'm preaching this so that you give something today, I am not. I'm just telling you scripture. And if you at any time ever feel manipulated by me or this house or this church, don't ever give anything. But there's something to dreaming a dream for God and something to showing him, I love you more than that dream. And so for the next couple of weeks, we'll have an opportunity for people to give to this project. We're calling it Mission Accomplished. Uh, if you're writing a check or something like that, you can cut a check to the church and just memo it to Mission Accomplished or in an envelope, write Mission Accomplished. If you're used to text giving, you can text them out with just the phrase Mission Accomplished at the end of it. All those types of things. But I, I genuinely in my heart feel as if the, the Spirit of God genuinely wants to move so mightily in the lives of, of some individuals that you were here and God by his mighty hand took you here. And something so miraculous that when you look at it, all you can say is that was the Lord God himself. And, and maybe you're here today and, and God is speaking to you to dream a dream. Or, or maybe God is speaking to you to sow a seed. Or maybe it's a combination of both. Maybe it's a seed to a family member. Maybe it's a, a seed to a family member who's hurting or something that is wounded. But I do know that a dream mixed with a seed is a mighty powerful combination. Um, this Wednesday, we're doing something unique as well. And I'll close with this. We are meeting in Jackson. Uh, we're having something called Revival Night, uh, which is a believers meeting. And we're doing it right in the, the center of Jackson. There is a venue there called the Ice House. Uh, we've rented the whole thing out. It can hold about 600 people. 
And so we are asking you, if you can, to RSVP. Uh, they'll put it on social media. They might even be able to put it on the screens now how to register for that if you want to come. Uh, if not, I'm sure you could show up and we'll find you a way to get in. But we prefer for you to register. Uh, there won't be childcare provided because we don't know how long we're going to go. Uh, and uh, the facility did not accommodate for it. But we really do believe that God, through our church, wants to release just a blessing in the center of Jackson. And we don't know what that all means, but we did feel compelled to walk that out and to get on the grounds. Uh, because God has strategically, throughout history, asked people to walk out what they've been praying out. Uh, and so we're going right in the city. Uh, to speak a blessing over it and to worship God in the middle of it. And so we've got our worship teams combined from both campuses. Uh, it is just, oh, it's, it's fun. Uh, and uh, we really feel inclined by the Spirit of God to press into that and to, to press into the Spirit. And we'd love to have you guys there if you can come. Uh, so if you want to register for that, please, please do so. I think we're going to have a good time. Before we leave, I just want to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask for every head, to be uh, every head to be bowed and all eyes to be closed. And at our Highland Colony campus, I'm going to ask Ryan Lamberson, our uh, campus pastor there, to come up to the stage. And with every head bowed and every eye closed here and online, uh, maybe today you have been wrestling with just a severe amount of shame. And out of that shame, maybe you have stopped dreaming. Maybe you felt unloved by God. Maybe you've been wounded by a friend or a father or a mother. And out of that, your heart has been so broken that you have stopped dreaming. That's the sign of a broken heart. There's no dream. A heart that's working, it is a dreaming heart. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I just want to yield to the Holy Spirit now. And I want to surrender to him and ask him to heal my heart. Maybe it's to heal a relationship. Maybe it's to receive forgiveness. But if that's you here today and you'd like that, Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Would you just lift up your hand and surrender to the Lord Jesus right now? Hands going up all over the room. Uh, this is just you just simply saying of God, I need healing. God, I want to dream again. Maybe the stripping process that happened with Joseph has happened to you, that they got your coat. But when they got your coat, they also got your dream. And God is coming to you, asking you to dream again, and you just want to surrender to him. Anybody else? Hands going up. Amazing, 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 amazing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want everyone to just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, today I surrender to your Holy Spirit, to your plan for my life, and I come to you, Father. And I say, mend my heart. Let it beat again. Let it get excited again. Father, I thank you 
the season in my life is changing from winter to spring. No more death, no more heartache, no more coldness, no more shame, no more hiding. Father, I thank you in every way a bloom of beauty is happening in my life. I say, Father, let your Holy Spirit pick up my head, encourage my heart, let me dream again, let me pray with passion again, let me worship with passion again. And I thank you, Father, my best days are not behind me. In fact, my best days are starting right now. God, you are my Father. Jesus, you are my Savior. Holy Spirit, you are my helper. And I thank you, Lord. Your dream is coming true in my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen.